Welcome to Decisive Point, a U.S. Army War College Press production featuring distinguished authors and contributors who get to the heart of the matter in national security affairs. Decisive Point welcomes Dr. Conrad C. Crane, author of Matthew Ridgway and the Value of Persistent Dissent, featured in Parameter Summer 2021 issue. Dr. Crane is the Chief of Analysis and Research at the Army Heritage and Education Center. Let's talk about the appropriateness and importance of senior leader dissent as viewed by General Matthew Ridgway and why his thoughts are still relevant today. For clarity, Ridgway is the former Supreme Allied Commander Europe and was the 19th Chief of Staff of the United States Army. He served in the 1940s and 50s. It's important for senior leaders to encourage an atmosphere where subordinates feel comfortable in providing dissenting opinions because it's important in shaping their own decision-making. It's always good to get a different perspective. There is a traditional view, however, that says when the final decision is made that then dissent disappears and everybody's supposed to loyally support the decision and go forward. Matt Ridgway had a little bit different view about that. Ridgway thought that advice didn't change just because a senior leader made a decision to do something different. It's important to get that perspective so senior leaders bring it into their computations, but if they go a different direction, Ridgway did not disagree about loyally carrying out those orders, but at the same time, he believed that did not change one's own opinion if they disagreed with it. And he felt that in a situation where that decision might lead to what the military leader felt would be unnecessary sacrifices, that it was the duty of that military leader to continue to express that dissent and do everything possible to change the decision. Again, you loyally carry out the orders, but at the same time, you make sure that everyone understands that you think a better course of action would be different. How did Ridgway approach dissent and the practice of best military advice? Can you share some examples of how he lived his convictions? Plenty. And, and he, it, did, it, it didn't matter if it was military or civilian superior. Ridgway approached it the same. And again, it was for situations where he felt that the decision would lead to unnecessary sacrifice. A good example would be Operation Giant 2, which was an idea to drop the 82nd Airborne Division into Rome at the same time of the Salerno landings. And the idea was to facilitate the Italian surrender and the transition to Allied control of Italy. Ridgway felt this would be disastrous and disagreed with it. When the decision was made, he went to Dwight Eisenhower, the theater commander, and talked to his deputy, Walter Beadle Smith. And Smith said, go talk to the Army Group commander. So he went and talked to Harold Alexander. And Alexander said, don't worry about it. We'll be to Rome in three to five days. It was not till the middle of 1944 that they actually got to Rome. But Ridgway tried everything he could. Finally, did persuade Beadle Smith and Alexander to let him send some officers to Rome to see the situation on the ground. And eventually, their messages back helped persuade the leadership to cancel the drop, just as Ridgway was actually getting on the airplanes to drop into Rome. Another example is in 1954, the French came to the United States and asked for air power to bail out Dien Bien Phu and save the situation in Indochina. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Arthur Radford, decided to support them, and Ridgway mounted opposition within the Joint Chiefs of Staff to stop that, what he felt would be a disastrous incursion in Indochina. Ten divisions in ten years, he said it would take us to be successful there. Pretty prescient, really. Sent his G3 to Indochina to study the situation, prepared a briefing which presented to the Army Secretary and eventually to President Eisenhower and the NSC, and eventually helped persuade those leaders not to go into Indochina, which again saved a massive sacrifice of life. At least in the 50s it did. Now, he also did not like President Eisenhower's New Look defense policies and was very open in his disagreement with that in front of Congress. He felt he had a duty to tell Congress his actual 
opinions. The president felt that was disloyal, did not like it, and that would have negative implications on Ridgway's career later. But again, he felt there are some situations where you need to make persistent dissent. What did Ridgway gain from these decisions? I mean, he, he wrote in his memoirs that when he stood before his maker, he could be proud about stopping what he called harebrained schemes. And Operation Giant 2 was one harebrained scheme he was proud of, but he was also proud of stopping the uh, incursion into China in 1954. Again, we would find out 10 years later about the costs of going into Vietnam. But there were personal costs. I mean, again, his dissent about the new look made him persona non grata with the Eisenhower administration. He only served two years as Army Chief of Staff, and he was replaced by General Maxwell Taylor, who he actually approached dissent differently. Taylor had his subordinates do it, where he could kind of stay out of the fray. He had actually had a bunch of colonels in the G3 shop who were actually writing dissenting opinions and doing leaks to the press and all kinds of things that eventually when they got caught, he was ordered to fire them. He did relieve them and send them to other jobs, but he sent them to very good jobs as payment for all the service they had done for him. But he managed to kind of stay out of the fray himself, let others take the hits. And as end result, when the 1960s come around and we're trying to make the decision whether to go into Vietnam again, Matthew Ridgway is on the outside. Uh, who was very much against the intervention, and Maxwell Taylor was on the inside who was very much for it. So that had major implications down the road as well. But the problem was, because he was on the outside now, he had to write articles and journals, and his book, The Korean War, is really about staying out of Vietnam. But again, he had lost his inside voice because of the costs of his descent in the 1950s. Final thoughts? Well, in January 2004, Michael O'Hanlon the noted defense analyst, wrote an article where he condemned the army leadership for not stopping the invasion of Iraq in 2003 because they knew about the deficiencies in the phase four planning and they should have done something. They, you know, Hanlon argued that you don't have an obligation to carry out a bad or flawed plan. I mean, even Ridgway wouldn't kind of gone that far. Ridgway would have said, you support the decision, but you dissent as far as you can, as long as you can. And perhaps uh, General Shinseki could have taken some pages from Ridgeway's playbook. Maybe it could have mobilized the JCS to, to, uh, to, to support his dissent about the phase four deficiencies. Maybe he could have presented a, a special briefing to President Bush about it the way Ridgeway did for Eisenhower. Uh, you know, as a senior leader, your obligations, as you, as you get higher and higher in the, in the national chain of command, the implications of your decisions are more and more important. And there may be a time when it's because of the cost of the nation and blood and treasure, it's your obligation to, to make sure that your best military advice is heard loudly and clearly in many venues. Thanks for coming in. It was a pleasure, and we appreciate your contribution to Parameters as well. Thank you very much. I always enjoy writing for Parameters. It's a great journal with a great audience.